This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora, I'm Ian Turner. Welcome to Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist. Alcohol-free drinks that stir you. Find out more at thenephilist.com. Today's guest is Tim Hunt. If you think you've heard the name before, you're probably right. He's been the front man and chief instigator of rock band Stonehurst for about a million years. All of this from an early 30-something gent, born in Wales and destined for a life in music. Tim runs Tombstone Entertainment and is about to go out with the 8th edition of Groovefest, an indoor festival with a diversity of acts matched only by Tim's taste in music. But with so many irons in the fire, what will Tim have to let go of in order to make his dreams a reality? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tim Hunt on Plains FM 96.9. Tim, uh, can you tell me the first time you remember hearing music in your life? Yes, I can actually, vividly. I was about three years old or, or under. I was living in Wales and my parents put on Tchaikovsky's Sleeping Beauty Waltz um, and it just freaked the hell out of me and I just stood behind the couch listening to it going, what is going on? And that's probably the most memorable first impression of music for me. Were mum and dad clocking this at the time? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I think they were pottering around the house. <laughs> when did you come over to New Zealand? I came over when I was about five, I think. And what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, well, my dad's my dad's a pilot, was a pilot, um, mm. and we were you know flying or moving around different air bases. And then uh, parent, my parents divorced, and my mum's from New Zealand, so we came back here. First went to Dunedin and then up to Christchurch where most of my mum's family was. When was the first time you sort of displayed some musical aptitude? I've always been a bit of a singer. Um, I sung when I was in Wales as well. I can of remember, course, remember Welsh. Singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Tim Jones. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've been singing for as long as I can remember and I remember pottering around on the uh, keyboards when I was little figuring out tunes and stuff yeah. on a little tiny keyboard I had and then moved to a piano and then... Yeah, just always been always been musical. Were there any particular kind of artists who sort of took your fancy that you were trying to emulate at that point? It was more classical like? music, I think, at the, at, when I was younger. Um, and then it moved to like Nirvana and that kind of thing. When I was about, about seven to about nine, kind of rock kind of hit me. Do you remember the first time you heard that music after you'd been listening to classical for so long? And that's not to say that classical isn't tremendously dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, it was more, I think, because my brother, uh, David, who's also in my band, he um, he's two years older than me, so I think he was a bit more exposed to it before I was, and then he was thrashing it in his room and that kind of thing when I was really young. So he influenced me quite a lot with uh, a lot of rock. Was there anything other than Nirvana? Corn. Mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Sort of a, a new, new, new metal? It was new metal, yeah. It was just, I think it was just really different. Um, I'm not really into that kind of thing now, but... It was just different and angry and that kind of thing. And I, I guess I just kind of got hooked, hooked onto it. One might say that Corn and Limp Bizkit, uh, there's a certain amount of theatricality about that. There's a big show going yeah, on with, yeah. with those guys. Did, did that appeal to you at all? Yeah, I think it was um, just the look and, and you know, the swearing and, and the, the alternative kind of freakiness about them. 
I moved quickly to once I realized that music was my thing, I found, you know, Eric Clapton and then Pink Floyd and then it went to Zeppelin and Sabbath and all those kind of like classic rock when I was about 10 or 11, kind of moved on to those things. Was it a happy home or was there an element of rebellion or was it just, I dig this stuff? It was a, it was a bit of both. Um, I think it was, it was a happy home, but at the same time, you know, there was single mum and parents were divorced and all that kind of thing. So there was a little tiny bit of angst as well, especially coming from my brother, he was a bit older. So yeah, yeah, that kind of thing kind of came out a little bit, but not too much, you know, I was quite a happy kid. So when, um, uh, when was the first group? you put together when did that happen the first band my brother actually started a band when i was 11 or 12 and i wanted to be the singer because i was like oh, i can sing i can sing you know i want had to your voice band. broken at this point no and he's like you'll never be in my band yeah go away little brother that kind of thing i was like mm-hmm. um but then we actually i moved to australia and we kind of i split from my brother and i lived with my dad for a bit and um started you know going on my own journey of music and playing the guitar and all that uh, so I listened to you know, Van Halen, Iron Maiden, all that kind of thing. I found my own kind of music, Ozzy Osbourne, that kind of thing. So um, I moved from Australia to Fielding. and um, Big jump? Yeah, I know, because the whole dad and the air bases and all that, random places. Um, so I went to Fielding, and I started a band called Superhuman um, with this guitarist who was just insane. He still is to this day. And I moved down back down to Christchurch once I, once I left home, and that first band with that guitarist turned into Stonehurst. Mm-hmm. So I got my my guitarist mate from school and fielding. I said, "You're coming down here, and we're going to start a band." And yeah, Superhuman Superhuman turned into Stonehurst, and um, yeah, I've been going with that same kind of original formed thing ever since. So this was about seventeen when Stonehurst. Yeah, seventeen when Stonehurst kicked off, and I was about fifteen or sixteen when I first started with Superhuman. Was it always going to be music, or was there anything else that sort of? Yeah, I think there was no doubt that it was just always music. that was going to be my thing. Yeah, you yeah. didn't didn't excel at anything anything else. Dad kind of pushed me to the air force, wanted me to be a pilot. Um, I was a bit of a swimmer, that kind of thing, but not really. You talked about a, a bunch of bands all the way from Tchaikovsky to, to Nirvana and Sabbath and Iron Maiden and, and Led yeah. Zeppelin and so on. Who would you sort of class uh, as an influence, act wise? And I know there are so many out there. I think Black Sabbath would be a huge influence. Um, Why? Yeah. Just the sound, the general sound, the heaviness, but also the, the classical and melodic bass. Um, the the fact that they started a lot of, of a lot of stuff that some people would argue that other people started it, but they were like the main biggest kind of thing that started heavy metal. Um, Pantera was probably another one because they were just so wild and fun. <laughs> they were jumping around, throwing amazing riffs around, and solos and screaming and all that type of stuff. But it was so well done and Metallica was probably a huge one for me as well just again for the same kind of Sabbathy aspect of it just groovy and kind of if the system kind of thing like you know would you say you're a better singer than you are a guitarist vice versa yeah I think I'm naturally better at singing um, but I just enjoy the guitar so much I love just the guitar itself and playing music um, on that um any of those acts you've just talked about or any others um, that we should hear a track from now? Well, one that I've been loving since I was really young and I still thrash to this day. I actually learnt some of the riffs of the, of the song last week. is um, Van Halen, House of Pain. That's a good, that sums up Van Halen quite a lot. And what album is that off? I think it's the last track off 1984. 
I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's early Van Halen. Yeah. I love it. It's just mean riffs, mean solos. And um, a lot of people get put off by the vocals of Van Halen, I think. But um, I just think I just think they're badass. <laughs> This is the Gardener Sound interview with Tim Hunt on Plains FM 96.9. Tim, I want to talk about gigs and concerts and things you might have got along to as a young person. Um, mm-hmm. Something that you might have shelled out some cash for yourself. I think the first, very first gig I remember going to was Black Label Society. Mm-hmm. And that was really exciting for me because I was underage and been a huge fan of Zach Wilde and, you know, Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, that kind of thing um, since I was really young. I was about 16 and I uh, missioned up with my, my band and um, didn't get in 
I got turned away at the door and then I started walking off all sad and um, some other guy from my school with his dad was there and I was like, oh, sweet. So I just stood next to them and then I got in and then um, and then I got right up the front and um, yeah, started feeling like they were bleeding. <laughs> so um, that was my first epic experience, um, Black Label Society. And um, yeah, I got to meet him at the signing and all that type of stuff. I gave him a little toy goat, which had a little note saying, you know, I'm going to meet you one day and I'm going to play with you with my band one day. You know, a huge, super, little super fan kind of thing. And then and 10 years later, I ended up playing with him. Tell me more about that. Um, <clears throat> well, I was this promoter I knew, he was, um, you know, selling T-shirts and fireworks, and I was selling them for him just to get in get in his in his good books and all that, and you know, begging, please, you know, I heard that he was bringing them over, and I was like, yeah, please, you know, get us the gig. Was this in Christchurch? Yeah, yeah it yeah. was in Christchurch, CPIT, the Bedford. So, um, yeah, I was working for him for a bit, and then he wouldn't tell me if we got the gig or not, and then... Um, about two days before, he's like, can you play? And I was like, oh my God, yes. And then so we, you know, rusted up all our instruments from different parts of the country and ended up playing so the show. So you weren't gigging regularly oh, as we were, Stonehurst? Oh, yeah, we were, but my guitarist at the time, worked. he was living in Dunedin. He went from Fielding to Christchurch and then went to Dunedin. Okay. So, so we're about spread out. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we, I just said yes and then tried to make it happen kind of thing with the band. We ended up getting to pick them up from the airport and hang out with them a little bit, and um, so I got to got some one on one time with Zach Wild afterwards and took him back to the airport, and it was amazing. Got some really awesome advice from him, and yeah, he signed my guitar and all that kind of thing. So, Tell me about the gig. Um, the gig was probably the biggest one we'd played at the time. It was a massive, massive crowd. Yeah, it was like you know all the Stoners fans at the time were there, and then a whole lot of new people like. Most a lot of people that I see that these days are like, oh, I first saw you when you played with Black Label and all that kind of thing. So it was just surreal, you know, like as a kid loving Zach Wilde and then meeting him, telling him that you know I'd gig with him one day, and then ten years later. <laughs> so I presume he's your your favourite Aussie guitarist. Is he the only Aussie guitarist? Uh, well, no, there's a me- there's a bunch because Randy Rhodes was my favourite, and then he died um, in a horrible plane crash. And then there was Jackie Lee, and then yeah, Zach Wilde was the was one of my favorites of Aussie, but Randy Rhodes was probably my favorite Aussie guitarist. Um, so do you find that Zach live will play um, uh, Randy Rhodes licks or does he sort of yeah, do his yeah. own he's stuff? Got, he's got his like Randy Rhodes take on, on things, um, but he's still, he's got a bit more speed work and um, that kind of thing. So he's got his, definitely his own style. What did you, what did you learn from him? What did you, you pick up? What was some of that advice? Uh, some advice was, you know, to work hard yourself you know, don't rely on other people to make things happen and, and just, you know, push forward and hard work and tour to, which I haven't really been doing as much, but I re- I'm, it's in my head, you know, I'm kind of figuring out and experience with putting on shows and all that kind of thing um, to tour constantly and find your circuit and just keep going there and going there, going, going back to places. And as soon as you go back to those places, you know, more people will turn up and you have to you know, get bigger venues and all that type of thing. And he said it was, he likened it to karate, you know, you get your, black belt and then you're six time black belt and that kind of thing so it was really cool i imagine you've done a number of gigs across the years surely everything hasn't really gone to plan all of the time can you think of any moments where you wish the stage would have swallowed you up um yeah there's been times where you know my guitar wasn't working and you know the 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 intro music was just about to finish and i'm like why why the hell is my my stuff not working or uh, I think it was Groofiest 2 where my, I think two weeks out before the show, my, my vocals just completely died and I, had, I couldn't even talk and I had to 
somehow get my vocals back to talking, let alone singing, and that was in Auckland, so it was one of the, it was one of the first times we played with Stonehurst in Auckland, so I was like, shit, these people are going to see me singing for the first time and I couldn't even talk, kind of thing, and um, funny story, I think it was our first ever show, we played at Owl's Bar um, before the quakes, and um, Al was leaning over the uh, foldback, and my brother David um, didn't know who he was, and he thought it was just some drunk passed out, and he kicked him in the head by accident. And he's like, "Oh, you!" <laughs> David was like, "Oh," <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we. You lived to tell the tale. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a good thing. Um, you just mentioned Groovefest, donning another hat, mm-hmm. um, not that of the musician, but that of the promoter. So, uh, what led you to want to start putting on putting on your own gigs? Um. Uh, I went to, I used to go to like raves and stuff when I was um, young, like late teenager, early 20s, and I went to those massive gigs, you know, spring equinox, summer solstice and all those kind of things. And it was just the the vibe and culture around that, you know, everyone turning up in their vans and camping out and, listen, you know, just being there for a couple of days and just getting into the music. Getting loose. Getting loose, you know, kind of thing. And um, I had the idea, I was on top of a van playing an acoustic guitar and I was thinking... I need to do one of these festivals, but for rock, you know, like 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 Woodstock, but outdoors, you know, some just really good rock music. You know, I know a few bands at the time, like the Leon and um, you know Pieces of Molly and um, Osmium, and obviously my band Stonehurst. And I was like, we we need to do these these kind of things, but instead of electronic, you know, we need live music. And I originally called it Vanstock and wanted it outdoors. And um, then obviously I didn't really know how to put on a show myself so i put on groove fest indoors and um, i was like Man, i'm going to just do this every year until it's eventually outdoors outdoor kind of thing out to groove fest eight this year and i still haven't got it outdoors but um what do you think's stopping you uh, was it wayne's world too <laughs> you know crossing the t's and dotting the lowercase j's you know all the the permits and book them and they will come that kind of thing is just a bit daunting just how not- much do you want it there Oh, I really want it, you know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm patient, you know. I'm, I want to do it right, and then, um, I don't really mind doing the, the um, indoor stuff, and yeah, I, I just, I just love live music in general. So I'm just kind of slowly gaining experience, and at the same time, I'm trying to like put my promoter slash manager slash musicians hat on, taking them, taking each one off, and being creative at the same time as business he is a bit. You sound like you're pulling yourself in a number of different <laughs> yeah, my, different directions. Yeah, I've been hearing, you know, if you focus on one thing and it will happen, but I, I've got so many different things going on. Uh, yeah. Who do you go to for support in Christchurch? I kind of ask different promoters and kind of learn off them and have them inspired by different promoters and uh, managers. Um, one guy that I do look up to is James Southgate. He manages quite a few bands like Devil Skin and... Um, that kind of thing. I think it's Blacklist and a couple others. But yeah, just seeing how he works is really productive and really, you know, gets things done and knows how to how to do things. I've I've gotten a couple of pieces of advice off him. Are there any um, outdoor rock festivals in New Zealand anymore? No, I don't think because because the Groove Fest for me, when I say groove, it's just any groove. You know, like we've had you know metal bands with death metal bands. We've had. Like this next one's got like pop, kind of psychedelic pop kind of stuff coming up. I'm a huge, diverse lover of music, so I don't really mind who's on it. Mm. But um, whoever kind of expresses interest and I like them and, you know, either we're friends or I really like their music, who kind of thing, you know. 
And that's a perfect jumping off point. We did talk before the interview um, about an amazing group I only heard today uh, called Porcupine Tree. Oh, yeah. Now, you wanted to play a track by them, but it was 12 minutes long. What was the name of that track? Arriving Somewhere But Not Here. Okay. Do you yeah. think there's possibly another track? Maybe a little shorter, because we do want to hear more uh, about what you've been up to, Tim, uh, from Porcupine Tree that you think... Yep, there's another one called um, Sound of Music. Not music, but Muzak. I don't know why they've done that, but yeah, Sound of Muzak. That's a really good one from them. What got you into Porcupine Tree? I think because um, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. I always saw them as like a new age Pink Floyd. They've got the keyboards and, and the electronic stuff going on and slightly heavier than Pink Floyd, but they've just got this, they've got, I always said that they're kind of like, they're not a genre, but they're an idea of how what music is, you know, that kind of thing. And um, I just I just love them. I've been a fan since I was a kid. So. Hear the sound of music drifting in the aisles. Elevator Prozac stretching on for miles. Music of the future will not entertain. It's only meant to repress and neutralize your brain
going down, I know It's one of the blunders of the world that no one cares, no one cares One of the wonders of the world is going down, it's going down This is the Gardener Sound interview with Tim Hunt on Plains FM 96.9. Tim, I want to talk about original material. When did you write your first original? I must have been about seven. Wow. But it wasn't, I don't know if it was any good or anything, but it was the first time I remember sitting down and going, I'm going to write a song and it excited me, you know. After that, I don't know, I probably wrote my first song when I was about 15 Mm -hmm. and um, kind of went into superhuman writing songs and... Yeah. Uh, so where did the impetus or where did the subject matter usually sort of come from at that age? And has it changed? When I was seven, I think the song was called Happiness. And it was about being happy and all that stuff as a kid, you know. Wow. I know. It's amazing. When I was about 15, um, I started writing about, I think the first song was called Suicide Slowly. Okay. So <laughs> things have changed in those 10 years. Yeah. And the happiness about to that. suicide. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think it was um, mainly talking about, you know, psychedelic experiences and opening your mind and that kind of thing. At the at the late teens? Yeah. Of, okay, so yeah. coming of age. I think it was more, um, you know, the influences from Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath and that kind of thing coming through. Did you find yourself wanting to emulate that kind of songwriting or musical yeah. style? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Songs like Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley and all those kind of things were popping up. And obviously I was a huge Metallica and Pantera fan before that as well, early teens. So was all the, the vibes of those guys kind of coming through. So are you a um, uh, lyrics first or a music first? Um, I've always been, yeah, lyrics kind of just flowed out of me. Um, I'd write lyrics and then pick up the guitar and try to just sing the lyrics and kind of play along with nothing in mind with the guitar and it would kind of just put itself together or I would pick up the guitar first with no lyrics and I'd just write a riff you know I just love the riff the idea of the riff you know that's why Groovefest is riff worship so tell me who's in who is in Stonehurst my brother um, David he's uh, the bassist um, it started with me and um, my mate Ben who was the original drummer Obviously, my mate from Fielding, Woot. Oh, his name's Brayden, but his nickname has been Woot, Woot since he was about eight. Wootus or Wootang, yeah. Um, so it was me, Ben, David, and Woot. And then um, as time went on, we had um, a keyboardist, Jay, 
he went on keyboards and then um, he moved to the drums and Woot moved to Dunedin. So he was there for about four or five years until, you know, it started becoming a bit of a chore coming back and forth and all that kind of thing and bought a house and had a, got married and all that kind of thing. So other priorities came along and um, it, even though he's such an amazing guitarist and we don't really appreciate all his work and all that, but, um, you know, we, we understand and, and um, another guitarist popped up in my mind which was uh reese bell and he was actually the drummer of a band called empire um but i always knew that he was he's a guitar tutor and really good singer um he him, him and other people used to say he was like a, a shorter me <laughs> he's just you know funny and um just you know talented so I, I, I always said to him you know if you're going to start a new band or get in a new band you should go on guitar and vocals because you know you're really good at that and he's like oh I appreciate it and then I was like wait a second <laughs> our guitarist has left so Ding. join us light yeah, bulb yeah and um, yeah I haven't looked back since you know we've got me Jay David and Reese. your most recent album uh, where was that recorded because it's an exceptional sounding uh, record Cheers. yeah that was recorded at Roundhead Studios um, yeah, that was um, while we were... How under, did you get the cash for that? Uh, so that was under Third Eye Music Management. So they were um, really, really helpful um, with that. And we, we signed a contract with them, which is um, apparently really unseen in the New Zealand in the music industry, which was super appreciative of. And um, yeah, so we kind of rustled up all the songs that would have been running for the last like 10 years since our first album and um, the ones that we're recently working on. And took them to Greg Haver, who produced. I was wondering why it sounded so good, obviously, because <laughs> yeah, so, his yeah. work with Devil Skin and, and a number of other artists. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Pearl Jam as well, I think, at one point, and um, a couple of really awesome bands. And he's Welsh as well. He is Welsh, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm, funny that. Um, yeah. It'd be great to hear something uh, off that record. What should, we, uh, what should we play for the folks? Well, the title track is called Strange Urge. Um, so, and what's yeah. it about? I can guess, but... Go on. Strange urges one feels, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's open to interpretation. Um, but if I was to say what it was about, I guess it's the kind of higher dimension entities that you have in your head that control you know, the way that you direct yourself and guide yourself in life. It was originally called the strangers, those things, you know. The strangers are killing me now, whatever. But I called it the strange urge. I actually say in the in the song at one point I say the strangers as well. But yeah, it's a interchangeable. Bit, yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tim Hunt on Plains FM 96.9. Tim, I want to talk about what's coming up very, very soon. Um, We talked about Groovefest. How many Groovefests are we up to now? So this is Groovefest 8. Groovefest 8 coming up. And when is that happening? That is the 3rd and 4th of April. Okay, so it's just before Easter. Um, Who's going to be um, uh, performing at that? Okay, so there's 10, 11 acts, if I can get them all. Friday night, there's Scrooge, which is my other band. Oh. Um, Horizon, which are awesome. Um, Dusty Hustle, uh, Troika, and Sloth Moth. Fantastic. That's, that's trying to rack my brain for this. Uh, so that's sa- Friday. Yeah, that's Friday. Saturday is um, who's just jumped on board, actually. I haven't released this um, online or anything yet. Um, so they're uh, first international act for Groovefest. Uh, they're called Hypergiant. They're really cool. Um, they're playing Wind, Windburn the same same weekend, third and fourth, but the alternative, alternative night, the Friday, I think. So, so yeah, so Saturday is Hypergiant, then Makeshift Parachutes, which is an awesome band from Auckland, Stonehurst, uh, Snail Rider, Temperamental, and Devade. Mm-hmm. Where is um, where is it going to be held? That's going to be at the Club Tavern um, on Colombo Street. Okay. Yep. Which folks have seen Stonehurst before will obviously know where, where that is. Yeah. Uh, so it's worth checking out. Um, tickets are going for? $20. $20 on for? On the door. Yep. Uh, I, think, I think it's 40 for two nights kind for of thing. The two. You can get them on cosmic ticketing, yeah. Fantastic. Cosmic ticketing. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. So getting out and about, um, you talked about sort of creating that circuit for yourself. Mm. Um, aside from New Zealand, where else do you want to get to? Have you got, got mates over in Oz that you think you can... You know, give that a nudge. Yeah, we've always wanted to go to Australia. Um, that is probably the next kind of obvious choice. Um, Japan has always been in the back of my mind as well, and Europe. Why is that? Why Japan? Um, I don't know. I've just It's just been one of those things. It's just for some reason. Huge population base. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. like we could, I feel like we could, you know, be playing every night to a whole lot of different people. And they love that kind of music over there. Yeah. You know, so. Just have to brush up on your neon. Um, yeah. So, what about uh, festivals around the world? What do you think uh, Stonehurst would go down well at? Yeah, would love to play at Desert Fest. That is a huge one for us. Um, obviously, Download Fest and um, that kind of thing. Um, maybe like Metal Days or Varken or that kind of thing. Um, there's lots of random festivals popping up, like Soundwave and um, lots of ones in the US that would be quite cool. Mm-hmm. I heard it's quite hard to get into the US these days. So, indeed, yeah, quite hard to get around. Mm. Full stop at the moment. Yeah. So, what about uh, new music? Is uh, we've got new originals being created? Yeah, yeah, we've got. Uh, we're working on our next album at the moment. Um, we've probably got five out of ten. We want ten songs. That was for the first and second album. So we're going to do that again. Um, but I think we're going to try and write a bunch more to choose from this time. Um, but yeah, we're we're working on that at the moment. We're really stoked with what's happening. Are we going to go back to to Greg, or are we going to look around and sort of see who else is doing great things? We spoke to Greg and got a quote, and um, we it's quite high. <laughs> Understandably, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but um, we would love to work with Greg again. Um, at the moment, we're just kind of doing it ourselves, kind of going off the experience that we got from Greg. So I think you know the first album was quite raw, demo-y kind of feel. The second one was amazing production. So I'm thinking the third might be right in the middle. 
from the experience of the second and kind of vibes of the first. And a lot of people actually said they enjoyed the first more than the second, which is funny because, you know, you know what they say. But, um, yeah, no, I think both of them are standalone really, really good. So I think the third one's going to be awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Tim, it's been awesome talking to you today. And um, I'm sure Groovefest 8 is going to be huge. Yeah, uh, Supported by Canna. Canna. Who's Canna? So Canna um, are awesome. They're uh, like a nutrient brand. Um, I was working at a hydroponic store and they came in and said, oh, you know, your boss said that, you know, the person to talk about sponsorship and they started sponsoring Groovefest because they, you know, thought it was awesome. And um, then um, because of that, I was able to start Tombstone Entertainment, which is my music promotion company um and in turn support a whole heap of other yeah, artists all throughout exactly. the country really. yeah yeah so it's been really really um really awesome for, for everyone and um yeah Kenna has been super helpful and um they're awesome people and they've you know opened to a whole lot of bunch of ideas and yeah they gave us some mint tins there we go can't go wrong <laughs> without mint tins. A, indeed mint tins there you go um tim fantastic thank you so much um no what's a track that we can uh, go out with today you've talked to Heck of a lot about Black Sabbath during the interview. Yeah, well, it'll be only only right to do a Black Sabbath track. Um, I think I gave you Megalomania. Uh-huh. Yep, that's no, just... that's quite long. That's about nine minutes. We've got a shorter one. Uh, or shall I just fade it? Or will uh, the Black Sabbath fans out there uh, absolutely want to kill me? Yeah, well, yeah, they probably would, so maybe we should go for another one. Um, Symptom of the Universe is another badass, badass song. Yep. That's great. Tim, I wish you well. Cheers, Ian.
It's time for my track of the week, and I didn't think I'd have time, but that's good news for you. Just announced for Groovefest 8, all the way from Australia, is Hypergiant. With the first track of their 2017 album Father Sky, this is Perseus Arm.
Thanks for being here today. My guest was Tim Hunt. Head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on Tim's picture on the front page to check out a bespoke Spotify playlist of all the songs and artists we talked about today. And link through to Tim and Tombstone's social media. Remember, you can get tickets for Groovefest 8 through Cosmic Ticketing. All right, that's all for Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist. Alcohol-free drinks that stir you. Find out more at thenephilist.com. Love to have you back next Friday. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi, Dave.